Hey, what's good, everybody? Jay Ping here, checking in, respectmyregion.com. I'm here today with special guest, Brett Puffenbarger. We are on the first episode of the North American Weed Tour. Brett, I appreciate you being on with us today. Thank you. How are you? Dude, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Man, it is an honor. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, I'm going to go ahead and let Brett introduce himself. He's a legend. He's, oh. a, he's somewhat of a myth. We're lucky to have him here today. Um, Brett, if you could share some of the things that you're passionate about on, uh, you know, in cannabis and uh, talk a little bit about what you do. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I can start with my three hats that I wear on a daily basis. Um, mm -hmm. So I run a consulting company called Good Ideas. Uh, our big thing that everybody knows us for is Project Mongoose. And I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. But basically, we collect horror stories and call out the bullshit in the industry, like full stop, coast to coast. Um Along those lines, I'm also a co-host on the Cannabis Detector with my friend Kristen Yoder, who's kind of a California OG and calling out the bullshit. And uh, we kind of do a, a 30 to 45 minute episode once a week where we pick a different topic that we think is bullshit in the cannabis industry. And we go pretty hard into it and kind of give people a try to give them a middle ground perspective between uh, kind of the legacy crowd and the Chad world of suits and yeah. ties. And, and everybody kind of gets that. <clears throat> and then I'm there's also a lot uh, of those new MSO companies out there. There's a lot of these, and they're not even MSOs. There's just a lot of cannabis companies popping up that come from not cannabis. Right. Yeah. They're not weed people. They're not even really people that are kind of close to it. I mean, we're seeing kind of this influx of uh, suit and tie lawyers. You know, everybody knows the guy, the white guy in the suit jacket with the boat shoes that has a nice Ivy League education or an upstanding college education. And he, he did what? He worked for a VC fund or he opened his little liquor brand before this. And now he thinks weed's the next big thing. Uh, so yeah, I got a problem with those people and I call them out pretty, pretty regularly. <laughs> uh, in both of those roles. Uh, and then I'm also, um, I work full-time as the vice president of corporate initiatives for a company called Multi-Chain Ventures. So we do blockchain and cryptocurrency stuff for the cannabis space and have a, a bunch of cool, weird shit going on. And uh, I guess that's me in a nutshell. So I, I appreciate you sharing that as well, man. That's a lot of exciting things there. Now, the first couple of things that kind of come to mind are, you know, with your daily work in cannabis, can you walk people through what an actual day is like for an entrepreneur like yourself who's wearing multiple hats, who's running multiple businesses, who's creating content? Yeah, man. Uh, so I get up pretty damn early. I'm close to the 5 a.m. club. Uh, and I run good ideas kind of day-to-day -day operations. So I put together the social media stuff, the marketing things in the morning, um, a couple of hours until about 9 a.m. So I'm on the East Coast. So I start early East Coast time. So like, five, six AM. Uh, I do that for a couple hours every day. And then I start my work at multi-chain ventures, which is a lot of the same stuff. It's just more geared toward the blockchain space than the cannabis space. Uh, and then in the evening time I go back and I reroute, I do, uh, I do more good ideas, things, whether it's business development calls or kind of, you know, checking in with the other people on the team for that. Yep. And then, uh, depending on the night of the week, it's either recording the cannabis detector podcast or trying to help out the guys at the veteran action council, which if people don't know, is uh, basically a group of all of the heads of most of the veterans cannabis nonprofits across the country where we come together and try to keep a cohesive message amongst the veteran community and kind of come to a consensus on what we agree on. Uh, yeah. If I'm not doing that, that that's got to be yeah. really important, right? Because if you guys are all doing different messaging in different directions and at different times, then nothing really gets done. We've done that. We've done that for years. And it was kind of, uh, you know, the guys like uh, Ricardo and Etienne and some of them have, have come together and went, you know what? Why? 
why are we doing this? It's not like we don't get along. It's not like we don't, you know, share 80, 90, 95% of our messaging anyways. Why not move in lockstep? It's a lot easier to move in, in a large group and kind of put up a, a unified front, if you will, rather than just being a bunch of smaller organizations. It puts a lot more fucking clout behind it. 100%. 100%. We, we're real big um, fans, and I think our actions have really proven that we try to work with other people. We, for years, try to do events by ourselves or be advocates by ourselves or help people by ourselves or be the only focal point on, like, oh, we're the only one who can post the exclusive content. It's our video. It's our article, right? Nah, man. I love I love it when when we're all actually working in you know synchronicity to to really achieve great things. It's so cool to be standing at the top, or not even at the top, to be struggling and failing. But at least you're doing it as part of a team. At least you experience that together. You know, for sure. So my next question for you, brother, <clears throat> can a BS detector talk to us a little bit about about that podcast and any of your favorite any of your favorite episodes, favorite stories that you and Kristen had? Uh, so my favorite episode is probably the first episode where I was a co-host. So can a BS detector has gone back several years. It's Kristen's baby. Uh, I think anybody can look her up and know pretty quickly. You know, she's got 15, 16 years in the industry. She started in California back in the in the really old school days. And uh, when I got into cannabis. It was, I guess, 2015 when Florida started the real push toward legalization and I had gotten out of the military. And I'll be honest with pretty much everybody, uh, I didn't smoke weed till I was in my mid-20s. And it was one of those situations where it wasn't even on my radar. Like, you probably can't tell from yeah. my accent and the way I talk now, but I'm from Hickville, USA, a one-stop light town in the middle of bumfuck nowhere in Virginia. And it just wasn't part of what we did. We drank Natty Light yeah. and, and Dip Spit, you know what I mean? It wasn't part of our world. So for me, I got into cannabis because I was a veteran who was hurting. I did, you know, three tours overseas. So that's something I don't talk about a whole lot, but it's the truth. And, mm -hmm. I, and I had a struggle, you know what I mean? And uh, I ended up getting into a fight with my ex and she said something kind of shitty. She was like, well, you should smoke a joint. I hear veterans do great at it. And I didn't know dick, like nothing about it. So I yeah. like, I literally bought an eighth off her mom for like 70 bucks and had to YouTube how to make a gravity bomb to like figure yeah. it out. And from there, it, it kind of changed my life. So back then was the very beginnings of the industry in Florida. And so that, that story is the first time you smoked. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it came yeah. Around. I mean, I might've smoked, like I might've taken a bong rip in high school, like one time, but it just wasn't my thing. But yeah, that's how my relationship right. started with weed period. Like it was like, all right, I'll try it. Like, Tra traumatic traumatic to some extent to be honest yeah, i couldn't yeah. imagine it's like it's like it's like when you tell your mom or your parents or your girl like yo go take a chill pill and then they actually go take pills <laughs> right like, yeah it was one of know? those things I i'll be honest with you i had that uh i had that um i think everybody's probably at this point seen the meme of johnny cash sitting in the bushes eating the whole fucking cake i was that guy <laughs> yeah. with a watermelon like i cut a watermelon in half and i was like I'm going to do it. And I was just eating it with the spoon, like didn't even chop the shit up. Like, I don't remember what I watched or anything. Like I was, I was zooted, like straight up yeah. blasted. And I woke up the next morning and I felt fine. And I was like, wait a minute, there's something to this. This is way better than a hangover. This is way better yeah. than the other shit. And then I started educating myself and maybe a year after that is when I decided to make the jump into the industry. So I, at the time I was working as a director of business development at Harley Davidson. I, I was okay. selling Harleys and t-shirts at four dealerships across, you know, a couple of States. And 
I, uh, I think I had sold a motorcycle to one of the guys that was on the application for one of the first licenses in Florida or something along those lines. And it was like, uh, mm -hmm. I had left for lunch. One of the guys knocked a bike off a trailer. So they piss tested everybody and they fired me because I failed a piss test. And I was like, Oh great. I started smoking what? weed like recently. Yeah. And so I had like, I had, I called the guys at Knox medical, which is now fluent cannabis care. And I was like, Hey, let me get a, let me get a job. Like I know how to run retail. Something people might not know is Harley makes more money selling t-shirts and like fucking like jackets than they do selling motorcycles. So I was like, yeah. cool, it can't be that different. It's a lifestyle brand. Like if we really think about it, that's what cannabis is. We sell a lifestyle. We sell a, 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 a way of being and hardly is the same way. And I was like, well, I bet I can figure this one out. It's helped my life a shit ton. I went from nine pills at the VA to none. Like I'm good. I lost like 95 pounds. It was great. Like, like Wow, congrats. congratulations on that too, man. All, all those things you just said, Wow, that's so powerful. Yeah, it was just like a wild ride for me. And I was like, I'm in. Like, let's do this. So I uh, I mm -hmm. guess my big claim to fame back then was I opened the first store in Florida. I made the first legal sale in Florida. Uh, like, if you, yeah, if you go into, like, the little, like, system, like, my name's the little first red name in the track and trace that's, like, over-the-counter sale. I, I think I sold, like, a vape cartridge and a bottle of tinctures to like a 21 year old college girl who had like muscular dystrophy or cerebral palsy or one of the, yeah, I don't remember yeah. her exact condition, but it was like, I just remember we took a picture. She had her little service dog. It was real cute. It was an exciting day, I guess. So awesome. I still have the first photo of my first sale. Yeah. As a bartender. Yeah. yeah. I still have my first, it still comes up on Facebook, still comes up on my, on my phones memories man i wish i had man. saved that into memories i still have the photo but i don't get like the reminder yeah. every year uh yeah so yeah man that was my like uh kind of transition into smoking weed and then crash course directly into the cannabis industry and uh yeah what else you want to know <laughs> dude no i thank you for sharing all that that's, i mean that's that's part of that man huge now we're obviously i, I gotta grab a lighter real quick so pardon me for being a being a failed stoner here real quick uh, unless do i have one right here this is the j ping live stoner shit y'all man well let me grab a lighter real quick now in the meantime y'all we have uh we have some comments going on gentlemen over here said it divided we fall a gravity bong that's like trial by fire so real quick i'm gonna grab a lighter i have a question for you talk to me about your favorite consumption methods we just had 710 are you a dabber? Are you an vape guy? Uh, what are your thoughts on what? What do you What do you use? So I'm not a big dabber. I have been in the past. Uh, I don't have a problem with it or anything. It just doesn't work for my world. Um, I'm heavy on vape pens. I survive off of them all day, every day. I think anybody who's ever seen a, a past podcast or news appearance with me sees that I'm the guy that's just like uh, pretty regularly. Uh, I'm also a big fucking fan of my volcano. Uh, so okay. I have uh, sarcoidosis, which is a terminal lung condition. My my immune system attacks my lungs and fills it up with shit. So a volcano for me is probably the best way to go. And uh, so wow. I use that on the weekends. And it was also my COVID safe way of being able to share weed with people. Like, uh, you know, when you were doing a little bit of social distance, social activities. Uh <laughs> so yeah are you sharing are you sharing joints again with people or no i don't see enough people right now to have to worry about that okay. so like uh I, I live in virginia my part one of my partners at good ideas uh lives here the other one lives in oklahoma 
So that's not oh. a big deal. And then all of the people at Multi Chain yeah. Ventures are va- based out of Las Vegas. So it's not like I mm. see people regularly enough to do it. Uh, yeah, at least not to go smoke weed with people in Virginia. I'm sure there's not just session. Although it did legalize out yeah, there, Frick or West yeah, Virginia. totally, totally legal. I am not breaking a single yeah. damn law right now. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> did you buy that from a dispensary then? Nope. I will. Uh, I will refrain to answering where this came from. We have legal. No, we fair. have legal possession. And we have legal home grow in Virginia, but we are two and a half years out from having legal recreational sales. We do have a <laughs> medical market, but it's probably the most fucked medical market in the whole country in that uh, it is not only what Florida has, as in forced vertical integration, limited license, regulatory capture structure, like only good for big business. It is also regionally sequestered. So there are five licenses for the entire state of Virginia. They've only given out four. The fifth one went to MedMen and they screwed up and lost it. And now they're suing the state so they can't give another one. So they're screwing other people out of it. Uh, And even if you do get a med card, which I have a Virginia medical card, uh, you can only get concentrates. So you can only get like a vape pen and some tincture. Yeah, right. I love your your little pipe. I love the pipe pen. Yeah. That's awesome. uh, so even if you do, that's all you're getting. You're not getting flour. So rec, flour's all good, but you can't buy it anywhere. You just have to, you know, it has to materialize into your world. Or you can grow. Weed in Virginia. I like right. that, materialize yeah. into your world. That's crazy. So weed in Virginia, man, you can grow at home. You can you can consume safely. Probably not in the, in the public view as per usual, but no. even still, to be able to sit on your back porch and know you're good, like, right? What a peace of mind. What a what peace of mind. Now, big shout out to Virginia, man. That's yeah. So nobody cool. expected the fucking old South, like the bastion of like Civil War culture, was gonna go yeah. like, oh yeah, weed. We're good. We're good with it. And it happened fast as fuck. Like, it's not like they were talking about it for years. Like you see in other no, states. No, no, no. This was a surprise. No, and I was living in Florida at the time. So I'm born and raised in Virginia. Like I said, one stoplight town. Uh, I was living in Florida at the time. And as soon as I saw the stuff, I was like, nope, time to pack up and move. Got to go. Time to go home. Because yeah. I, I guess I've fallen. I mean, it's like Virginia. Like you could go to Michigan, Oklahoma, you could, or Florida, and Florida makes the most sense out of any of those places, in my opinion. Yeah. So I was, I've been, a, I was in Florida from the time I got out of the military till April of this year. So we just moved back to Virginia, and uh, wow. I'm actually trying to get on the Cannabis Control Authority Board to be a regulator for the state, which is really unusual for me because I'm kind of, you know, that guy that spends a lot of time telling the government what they're doing wrong. So I guess. If we're yeah. going to be honest about it, I, I'm trying to do the opposite, like be the change I want to see for once. And uh, so I've been talking to the Secretary yeah. of the Commonwealth out here and some of the people on the board and, or like on the selection committee or whatever you call it. So maybe I'll get to do that, too. Like that would be a fourth. You know, I, I, to be real, I really resonate with that, bro. I really resonate with that a lot. I was I was on the Student Union Recreational Campus Board at my college, and I was a big DJ throwing parties, breaking all the rules. And I did that. So I could earn favors and learn how to play the game better, how I could figure out how to really perform at life or have the impact I wanted to have. And so I really applaud you for that because 99.9999999 people, we all talk. We're all talk. We talk. You and I were known for talking. Right. Yeah. I was in a meeting the other day. I was in a little meeting the other day. I was like, yo, I specifically am looking to have you, Kristen and Brett as a host of different shows that we're doing. And I'm like, 
I, I'm not ready to be next to them, man. <laughs> I, I said, I'm not ready to be next to them, man. Like, <laughs> and so I was like, you know, I, I said, I got to get some more skin in the game. You know, being next to Kristen is a, is a real, uh, 15 years is, is, that's nothing to Bro, stop it's at. intimidating. I'm, like I, when we're recording the podcast, yeah. sometimes I'm like, if I start to disagree in my mind, I'm like, should I say anything? Should I not say anything? I'm probably wrong. She probably knows more. A hundred percent. I can only, I only ever speak on behalf of, you know, my Washington, you know, medical customer to recreational customer, just like you. I was one of the first, not one of the first people to sell weed in the state, but I was at the fanciest pot shop ever in that state. And to some to at Buzzfeed, that was the shop right. that we were on there. I was the first, one of the first sales there. And I was a big face at that store. I really take pride in knowing my shit and big respect to Kristen for nothing. Can, you can to get every degree in the world, but experience doesn't change. You, you know, I mean, like experience. I feel is everything. like at this point, like if you look at it nationally, right? Like a year in the industry is kind of like, it's like dog years or some shit where it's like, uh, if you got a year, if you're in it, the right, if you year, make it sure. like a year, two years, like legit working in the industry, you're like touching on seasoned status. You're not a newbie anymore. And most industries do. Yeah. You at least got three to nine more. You hit years five years probably. and you're pushing like real OG status to be 10, 15. People talk to me as if I'm an OG that, that to me, that's like disrespectful. Right? To the other people. I am not even at five years. I'm at four and change. Right. I'm just over five. And I'm like, what? Are, hey, 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 hold on. Like, I think I got some shit figured out. But like, you know, there's people that have been doing this for like a hot minute. Right. Like, <laughs> right. No, I feel the same way. A lot of those people, though, to those to that point, a lot of those people, though, they uh, they were consistent mm -hmm. for years. And then in this digital recreational era their mindset has shifted away from a lot of a lot of that it is not to say it's harder or it's more difficult it's cheesier now this shit's tackier now everyone's doing it i was at an event the other night i, I was at a comedy show the other night and there's a bunch of cannabis people bro i heard a bunch. oh this is you know and people introducing each other this is my friend she does a podcast I'm, you know this is the homegirl she does this she does that and i go oh hey yeah what's up i heard you do a podcast i do one too she goes Oh yeah, everyone's got one now, huh? And I was like, "Damn, like, excuse, excuse me, I've never met you before." Like, <laughs> like this is wild, you know. And to me, not to say that everybody is like this, but I have notably come across uh, a lot of people in this industry in cannabis. It's not particular to any region. Again, I spent years in Seattle. I spent years in Spokane. I love going Seattle, all over the man. Place. My wife and I were out there in like Bro, October, November last year. Bro, yep. I am like, uh, where'd you go? So we went, I was with a different company at the time and it was kind of, I don't want to, we'll get into that later if you want to. Uh, so we went to Portland for a little bit, went to Mount Hood, did kind of the Oregon thing. And then we went up to, uh, we went up and spent like a night and a day. Like, so like, you know, like a 36 hour window or some shit in Seattle. Uh, so the most fun thing we did was obviously the space, the space needle and the Chihuly museum. Like that shit's yeah. cool. And then, uh, we were really sad yeah. to find out that Cafe Nervosa from Frasier was closed because I'm a huge closet yeah. Frasier fan. Like we were so stoked okay. on it. We we're like, ah, oh, it's Frasier, like in a town. Like expecting to see Kelsey Grammer around every corner, even though everybody knows that's not true. Uh, we went to right. some like basement gin place. If I could remember the name, I would totally give it a plug because it was dope. It was literally like 
bathtub gin in a basement and you had to go find like a door in a back alley behind like a little theater and i was like what the shit you go in and you like go down totally dope bro like we had the best time in seattle there's a lot of i used to i used to drink i I no longer really drink like that but i'm about to i am about to restart drinking again because we're about to start doing uh beer reviews ipas and stuff it's just it's in our wheelhouse because of washington and oregon and stuff you know that makes sense um I got, yeah, we got to get back in it. But when, when I used to go out in Seattle a lot, this is when I used to work at Microsoft and had the money back then. Uh, it was IPAs and ciders at all kinds of little bars like that. There's this one, the Seattle Cider Company out there has this little thing, you know, a bar up top and you go down and it's an entirely different vibe. Some cool Mexican restaurants the same way. Like I miss it up there, but I did just go, you know, I mentioned that comedy club earlier. Like it was dope to be standing on Sunset, smoke a weed at the top of their patio and then to go down into their other place. And it was cool to smoke cigarettes or whatever down there, which fuck that. But to be able to smoke weed and be cool with it and have branded things there and then go into a restaurant, order restaurant food and do that. And it was literally, that was the full start to finish. It was like someone came to my house, you know, fucking loved it. That's where the, you know, all these lounges and all these certified license venues and shit, like that's all cool. You know, paying extra money to go to Disneyland is cool. I got feel that, you know, but the beach is free, what? right? Going on, out, outdoors, smoking weed and going to the beach, smoking weed and going outdoors, that shit's free. When it comes come to from, consumption you know? lounges, the only one I want to get in on is like, uh, I've ever been to like an arcade bar where it's got like all the OG video games. Like, uh, Dave, yeah. and, Dave and Buster's. Give me like a Dave and Buster. Like, do a bowling alley in one of those places. And I'm I was just talking to a guy that's thinking about doing one in Vegas, and I'm like, listen, man, let's replace bottle service with volcano service. Like, give me some volcano service and like the fucking 200 inch projector TV with an Xbox. I'll pay to come. Like, you will get me out of my house. I will walk my happy ass in your door, and I will pay your premium prices just for the novelty of it. The cannabis consumption house with mini golf built inside or the ability to go Bro. play, to go shoot basketball, the ability to go into a quick little. Where's the nail salon? I saw one in oh, like uh, what is it, Oklahoma. I'm like, come on. Like, can I get like, I'll go get a petty and a blunt. Let's do it. Like, I'm not too manly to admit that shit. You know like, what? You give me an idea. You give me an idea because all these companies in California, right, with their micro business licenses, right, how they can have the little delivery things popped up or like pop up retail and stuff. Where are they at? Where's their cereal cafe? Right. Where's their barbershop pop up? Where's their where's their block party uh, bar crawl? Right. What about pizza delivery where the box and you have a little piece of metal in there and you can roll it up into a makeshift bowl? Like, let's get creative with this shit, man. Yeah, like, you just get it all out. Like, dude, these are the, do I got to sign the NDA for these ideas that you're sharing? Or no, what's the deal? These are no. just the free ones. Yeah, this is just the freebies. <laughs> oh, no, man, for I love clients, it. we have a whole thing. We'll go out and they, like, we can go out in the woods, eat some mushrooms. We'll come up with dude. some crazy ideas. Like hey, mushrooms, mushrooms. I wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you, I know you're big in the cannabis. I know you're big in those things. Obviously, you're a veteran. There's a number of things that uh, reasons as to why cannabis is uh, is legalizing. Veterans has always been supposedly a priority for America, whether it's not it's actually being executed or not is a different story, right? Uh, or correctly is a different story. Um, psilocybin, kind of taking a quick similar direction that cannabis is. We're seeing oh, it's decrim- totally riding the coattails. Decriminalization is happening the same way that cannabis decriminalization was happening in those crazy markets first. We're seeing full on 
pre-legalization before there's even sales in some aspects, right? People are becoming 90. It's already a stock commodity. Mind yeah. meds on the stock market. Stock market commodity. I, yeah. See, where? what are your thoughts, if you could, just where you see it at right now, where you see it going? You know, people respect you as someone who is in the know in cannabis. I assumed psilocybin as well. I'm all for it. So like full disclosure, my wife wrote her master's thesis on the neuroscience of creativity and psychedelics. So wow. like, I'm a little biased in that, like, you know, I kind of, you've, heard, you've heard a little bit about, yeah. It. Like I, I hear some shit at like, it's kind of, you know, not your average person level as far as it comes to that. Uh, so I'm all for it. I think uh, I would, I mean, if we really want to go like ham on it, I deeply lean like borderline anarchist libertarian with my personal political beliefs, but I'm a little bit more pragmatic with the larger thing. So I'd be one of those people that would be like, legalize all drugs. But if we're going to get into the specifics, like, I, right, I, I mean, I, I'm not just, I'm not from, from, like, I wasn't born and raised in Seattle, raised out there for sure. It's leaning that way there. It already leaned that way in Portland. And I was going to say, when we got off the plane in Oregon, it was yeah. like, legalize all drugs. And we're like, yeah, whoa. Because the problem has gotten so bad at that point, what, we're just going to continue costing money? you got to right. change the model. The business plan has to change for the cities. It's got to change. Taxes so. instead of free labor in the prisons. Like That's what they're looking at now. I don't but even know. I, man, people hate it, like it. Idea, good ideas, problem solutions. I have no clue. I have no clue. But until we try it all, and I've seen some data about what works the best, then just like Blackjack, I'm going to throw more money at that one, I guess. Right? I think we should have. At the minimum, like psilocybin, MDMA, LSD in a medical capacity in some regard. You know what I mean? Like if we're going to get kind of serious with that answer, um, I, w I would say that I think those things belong heavily in a, a very regulated usage way for now. I, I don't think they're harmful. I don't think they're going to kill you. You know what I mean? Like obviously there are some risks and things, but there are. There are a lot of benefits that I think we could get out of them in a very regulated manner. I, I saw like the, what was it, the MAP study, 67% of users mm -hmm. recovered from complex PTSD, things like that. I'm all, I'm all about it. I, I wish I would see more of that in like entering the mainstream. And I think we are. I, I think we're at a point now where like, the average business executive at the very least is aware that there's a $100,000 ayahuasca retreat he could go on. And like, I, I think we're at a point with the psychedelic side that we never expected to see as quickly in the cannabis side where the people with the money are okay with it now. The yeah. problem with that comes is I, I think the psychedelics industry is going to see they're not going to learn from the mistakes of the cannabis industry and in that all of the people, the corporate sharks types, the chads, if you will, yeah, kind of came in and predated all over cannabis 1.0 and it's what gave us the current regulations on the east coast i fear that we're going to see a lot of that in the psychedelics world but worse i think we're going to see just an immediate big pharma soak up rather than this kind of are we going to play with them are we not that you're seeing from the corporate side of cannabis now yeah there was a lot of variables throughout the last 10 years of all this decriminalization legalization rec rec Recreationalization, I think, is the word I'm trying to shoot for as well, because now we've got a lot of states with it quickly, quickly, right? Uh, to the point where dispensaries are open, they had no products because crops weren't ready, right? Right. So it's you know we're going to see those same uh, bottlenecks in the supply chain. I think we're going to see, uh, and initially there's going to be a very very high taxation. There, you saw the articles and, and all the press surrounding Schumer and cannabis stuff. 
very big money spikes already happened. Stocks dropped and stocks raised just based on the news that day, right? I'm not a fan of the Schumer bill at all. Like I think I I agree. I think it does a lot of good. I actually saw somebody. I got to pull this up because it's totally worth looking at at this point. I saw it's, this. It's, it's one of those. Uh, it's one of those things. It's, it's like that Neil Armstrong quote, right? One giant leap, you know, kind of forward, but also at the same time, there's like seventy-eight steps back by also here's, included in that leap forward. Here's one from the Veterans Cannabis Coalition that the Beard Bros guys posted, uh, who are great people, by the way. Everybody should shout out the Beard Bros, Bill yeah. and Jeff. Excellent people. Uh, So this says like this, whatever, this bill represents the first real Senate effort, blah, 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 blah. And then it's got the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good removes cannabis for the Controlled Substances Act, expunges past federal convictions and allows for reviews of hearings, funds state-level restorative justice, authorizes uh, the Department of Veterans Affairs to make cannabis recommendations, which it actually doesn't do. It's a little more complicated than that. And then it ends the 280E kingpin tax. Those are all great. I think anybody, I don't give a shit if you're like the most ardent, like legacy guy that's just like legalize it like a tomato, or if you're the Chad who just wants to make some money off of it, I think we can all yeah, agree there's... that that's the good, regardless yeah. of where you stand on it. The bad, yeah. uh, Treasury Department track and trace, not a huge fan of that, though I think we all knew that was coming. I, 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 I think, I think they're, control... they're, 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 they had to do it. Yeah, they're going to get be. their money. If we're going to do it, let's do it with blockchain. Let's not give metric another contract. I don't like metric. I'm not shy about my opinions that I think metric is awful. Uh, we'll have you on. We'll have you and Christian on another episode to talk. We can talk about metric on that one. That'd be great. Yeah. And Greg, we should call Greg Welch. Get him on that too. Greg, Greg always says he don't want to be on camera. I'll, I'll talk to him. <laughs> Let's get him. Yeah, I'll talk oh, to him. Uh, so the bad, Treasury Department track and trace, uh, the impairment standard for driving under the influence of cannabis. I don't like the way that's written, and I agree with this breakdown on it. Uh, I'm a medical patient, man. I, I don't. We're not writing special rules for if you're on Xanax and driving, even though we know if the average person took Xanax, they would get a DUI. Like, I, I think there should be some medical exceptions built into that. And I don't like it when laws are written in that way where they could be construed more constrictive than we think they should be. We saw how fucked up that happened in Florida, Maryland, Illinois, yada, yada, They're yada. going to be interpreted that way over 80% of the time, 90% of the time. And it's going to be specifically inflicting black and brown community. Right, exactly. Like, plain and simple. I get it. Yes. I like that they <laughs> thought about it. I'd like to see it written in a more specific way so we know exactly how it's going to get enforced uh for example like in washington they just changed the rules you know uh, the blm stuff that that happened over the last year uh or the last two years well 15 years at this point now like dating back even to trayvon martin stuff now um they really really started rewriting a lot of the police laws there and there was a release today by the chief of police for federal way washington which is south of seattle towards tacoma they're not even going to be able to chase people, you know, unless they 100% know probable cause that that car that is the one with the person in it, there's no pulling people over and guesswork. They're, it is letting people go, right? So it's really interesting to see how we're going to see extremes left, extremes rights in this and how it's going to be applied, and especially in cannabis consumption cases while driving and medical patients. Pull out a card? Are we going to be good to go? Yeah, like, am I all right? Like, and I'm not talking about being like as brazen as I think some people are. You know what I mean? Like taking dabs, bombs in the car, right? Like, I'm not talking about. Like, in the cars. 
I should be able to have this in the fucking car with me and it not be a problem. I should be allowed to pop on a piss test because you're not telling me exactly how much I have in my system. Like, I'm going to have it in my system. I intake enough weed every day that I'm going to fail a piss test for the next 90 days straight. Like, we all know that. Like, yeah. it's kind of bullshit. I don't like the cap on adult use cannabis sales and I don't like the vape flavoring van. Though I get the vape vape flavoring ban and i know that's outside of cannabis too uh the the, uh, the overall country is pretty against vape flavorings right now individual states kind of have different rules my but, fear yeah. here is that terpenes in like as particularly when you see kind of like the shady shit that a lot of east coast companies do where they use plant-based terpenes and add it to distillate and call it a strain name and yada 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 but is that going to yeah. start qualifying as a flavoring ban because that is a flavor. It tastes like fucking blueberries when you, you know what I mean? Like, or whatever it is, like. Please be on all those councils. Yeah. I will write any article for you to help you be on those councils. I don't like the barring people with past felony, uh, felony cannabis convictions from federal permitting. And I do not like a 25% federal excise tax. Like, I get yeah. it. I get it. You're going to tax it. It's a commodity. They tax alcohol. They tax tobacco. They're going to put us in the vice category. 25% the shit ton. <laughs> yeah, we're already at 40 over here. Right, so yeah. To, Add 25%. To, 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 me, to me, that means that the state tax is going to change. And then, because it already has changed once. You know, they've already changed a few times in a lot of states. You know, Washington's gone through iterations. California now has to. Um, it's going to change. 25%, I can deal with it as long as it doesn't get higher than that, mainly because when you go buy alcohol in Washington, it's around that. And I don't drink because of how expensive it is plus of what it does to my body. So for people that don't want to pay that, I guess that is what it is. They don't they got they literally those tax numbers got people to stop drinking alcohol as much as they used to. Really? So yeah, you gotta think it is somewhat of a barrier to entry. Yeah. That's so fair. In, in good ways and bad ways. We don't want kids having access to this, being able to have super cheap access to to things. I mean, there are three dollar joints available right now. Bro, only on the West Coast. That was the most mind blowing thing. Like that and the ability to like smoke where someone could smell it was pretty wide like yeah. mind blowing for like an East Coast cannabis guy. He'd been working in the industry. Yeah. Like that's not normal here. Like uh you, you know what I mean? Like joints here at a dispensary. Like in Florida, for example, you're paying like $13, $14 a joint. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they definitely have, uh, I mean, I'm not buying $3 joints anywhere for sure, but they, uh, they definitely have like, organs built on, uh, you know, super cheap models. Better genetics is anywhere between 12 and 16. California, better genetics is anywhere between 18 and 25 All right. here. And then, um, or the best of the best genetics is anywhere between 18 and 25. You can occasionally get that 14 or 15, but something's wrong with it. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, that tax, that, that does suck. But even those, you know, a lot of those things in there, we, the, the country and the cannabis has proven that if we can get something pushed, we'll be able to go back and change it. And hopefully if enough people go vote and get you complain fast enough or like a, the, the right story happens, unfortunately, then we'll see it. We'll see people react. Um, but we, yeah, we, we definitely don't want to do this too quick. We definitely need people like you guys, uh, you and Kristen in, in, in these kinds of groups and committees, trying. uh, helping to really roll through this legislation. Yeah. We were actually just um, talking to the beard bros guys about trying to put together our own, uh, I don't want to give away too much, but, uh, 
everybody's seen like the DC comics, like there's this Justice League and then there's the Injustice League. Well, like I'm that yeah. I'm that guy that thinks like the US Cannabis Council and Normal and some of these organizations are kind of the Injustice League at this point. Like I think most of them started with good intentions and have kind of morphed into uh, a bunch of OGs who are willing to sell out or who have brought in corporate shark type people to help them sell out. And I don't think they have our best interest at, in, at heart. And I, so like, that's literally, I, we were just talking about like, how do we start the real justice league? Like, how do we start like the equivalent of that coast to coast with people who kind of speak the middle ground, like they, that are really kind yeah. of like uphold the mantle for small businesses and regional, you know, craft grows and all of these different things, home grow fucking rights, like little things like that, I, I think are, are, a, are a necessity. And I think sometimes the West Coast kind of forgets that out here on the East Coast, a homegrown state's a freaking unicorn. Virginia's the only one. Like, you know, like that's not normal over here and it should be. And I think there should be a larger national push, but I don't think the current groups taking on the national push are the ones, at least that I personally, or a lot of the people who I know that are like way above my pay grade in the OG status realm would agree are going to represent us in the way that that benefits the appropriate parties, you know, veterans, communities of color, the legacy operators, the people who whose shoulders we stand on when we play advocacy roles. You know what I mean? Like those yeah. are th- those people were doing it way before it was fucking cool, to, cool enough to put, you know, cannabis on your resume. And I, I think a lot of the times we're we have kind of lost our way as an industry in that way. So I guess we're kind of going full circle to be like, tell everybody what you stand for. Uh, So like, I've said this a bunch of times before, I I think we have an opportunity to find some level of middle ground between the two Mm -hmm. like warring factions of the cannabis industry. You know what I mean? Because let's let's call it like it is. We're, We're getting to be a large enough industry at this point where we do need the lawyers, the MBAs, the suit and tie types to some degree to navigate the complexities of whatever the hell has been built into the laws, whether it be at a state level or eventually at a federal level. But let's also call it like it is most of those guys couldn't turn the lights on in the fucking grow room if the rest of the companies walked out. And I think we need to start valuing this like legacy knowledge and this old school cultivation knowledge and this deep understanding of extraction sciences and these things that are arguably the bedrock with which we built an industry on top of, you know what I mean? So we, we kind of come from yeah, these yeah, like yeah. advocacy and activism roots of these like big name people to us who were like, fuck you, the government's you know lying to us, <laughs> the war on drugs is racist, yada, 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 yada. And now yeah. we've kind of got this layer over top of it of the corporate people who only care about profits. And I think we need to kind of come to an agreement somewhere and build a nice even platform where we where we value the skills of the other side, where we get somewhere with that. And, and I'll be very frank, I think Greg and I, bringing him up again, uh, we're talking a while ago about it. It's like, the chads have a mile to go and the legacy guys have an inch to go, but I still think there needs to be movement to make it a, a thing that we're all going to yeah. be proud of in the future. Uh, so that's my like little niche in the world. I, I kind of sit squarely between, uh, I mean, my little tagline bridging the gap from bong to boardroom. I think that's the appropriate moniker. Yeah. I'd like to see a respect and an understanding for the legacy side 
and an understanding that we do need some level of help from uh, the suit and tie brigade. So let's let's talk about this bridging the gap from bong to boardroom here because I love your posts that expose these MSOs that are all pushing against and the the home the home grow situation. Now we want people to understand that your freedom to grow cannabis is exactly what I just said. It is a freedom to grow that. And it was taken away a long time ago because of perception, money, economy, and a war against drugs and minorities, right, at the end of the day. So we really want to uh, highlight, and I would love if you could, talk about some of those big MSOs that have always, that have been tagged. And I want you, you don't have to super go in on every single one, but if you could at least bridge the gap from bong to boardroom for all these stoners and all of our fans watching and let people know about some of the big brands that you are well aware of who you know for a fact are putting time, effort, and potentially money into making sure that the rights to grow cannabis at home are either taken away or very restricted. Oh, man. I've got to grab, I've got to grab a torch. No, you're good. Let's. This is going to be this is going to be a real let's deal start with, learning opportunity. Let's start with home grow. Home grow rights should be a must for anyone who wants to see a long-term long-standing cannabis industry. And and if we really want to talk about it, I'm not one to compare cannabis to alcohol very often, but but alcohol is the only other post-prohibition industry we have. And something people don't talk about a fucking enough is that there was 84 years, maybe 85, 84, 85 years between the end of alcohol prohibition, right? Like, uh, you know, no more bootleggers, like no more bashing the things to the legalization of homebrew. And what have we seen in the last 10 or 15 years since that got legalized? And you mentioned it at the very beginning of this podcast, craft brews, craft distilleries, craft beer bars, a resurgence of a culture of local sourced craft shit where you can go know the guy brewing your beer. You can go know the guy distilling your gin, whatever it is. That's already built into cannabis. We had that built into the community way before anybody put this shit on a resume, way before anybody was talking about it on LinkedIn, way before anybody was even considering this to be a legitimate way of life, right? That's already built in there. And if we want to touch on like the fucked up part of the war on drugs for that for a minute, you know, what's really fucked up. The thing that you know, rich white dudes in their boat shoes and stuff are going to jail for is the same, or, or getting rich for is the same thing that communities of color and lower class people are going to jail for it. And all they've done is criminalize an alternative stream of revenue, a legitimate, obviously legitimate now stream of revenue, because now you have the legal side, right? So we'll start there. Home grower bust, plain or simple. You can see it in past interview, you know, past industry change that that is where we're at, mm-hmm. right? So now we're getting into the MSOs, right? So an MSO, for anybody who might not know, is a multi-state operator. Multi-state operators, and, and particularly when I when I use that term, I, I'm driving toward the the 12 or so pubcos. Green Thumbs Industries, True Leave, Ascend Wellness Holdings, uh, MedMen, 
who's some other big, big players, Cresco, if you want to start getting into Canadian LPs, because they're starting to buy licenses here, you've got Canopy, Acreage, Hexo, Cresco, uh, whatever. I think everybody gets the idea at this point, right? Those names that he just said, y'all, those are big companies that have cannabis brands. Hundreds of millions of dollars minimum in company valuation. Hundreds of millions, if not into the billions. I mean, truly just bought Harvest to be two point. 1 billion or some ludicrous amount, right? Uh, So (laughs) all of these large companies are all functioning uh, on a broken concept. Uh, So I won't won't name names because I'm not trying to get sued, but a particular law firm effectively developed the Western Hemisphere's cannabis market and they did it in a very broken way. So they, they used oil and mining futures to determine the way we would set up the cannabis industry. And then then that leads to pump and dump schemes because it's used off of the broken concept that if you grow it, they Mm -hmm. will come. If you grow it, they will sell. And they actually set this up first in Canada with the LPs and look at the situation the LPs are in right now. There's, There's literally six, seven, eight times the amount of stuff grown that they need, right? They're not selling. Oh God, it's horrible. Okay, Canada, Canada's companies are just. And now they're hiding it through mergers and acquisitions. So it looks like they're doing stuff, but all they're doing is strapping anchors onto sinking ships, right? Like, so that's, that's Canada companies. Now you come into the United States. Let's start with kind of this misnomer that there is a cannabis industry. There's not, there's 37 different ones because every state's its own silo. We can't legally cross state lines. So if we're talking about obviously strictly legal industry at this point, There's 37 different cannabis industries and no MSO is actually technically really one large company. They're a holding company that has controlling stake in multiple state companies funnel money uphill. So like Curaleaf, Massachusetts is technically not the same company as Curaleaf, Florida, even though they share a parent company branding, maybe some executive staff, yada, 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 fancy business moves that don't really matter other than they're kind of structured in a very weird way, right? Already. So all of these companies, A, are under the impression that home grow hurts their bottom line. And the only reason they do that is because none of them have reached the level of operational efficiency where they can actually produce on scale the way companies in Oregon, Washington, California, maybe Colorado, or your black market, legacy market guys do. They just can't do it because they're, they're, they're not cannabis people and what they've ended up doing and through project mongoose the whole collecting stories thing we've got enough stories about this exact maneuver to blow minds but basically they'll hire a legacy guy or even worse they'll find a shady way to buy a legacy guy and his plants they'll get him to write all the sops and best practices and then they'll cut them out of the business fire him and go hire some first year biology you know first year out of college biology grad and growing fucking tomatoes or something to come run their grow operation. It's a ludicrous thing. Uh, so this is also, it sounds very, risky. so not only that, sounds very think risky. about their business model off the rip. Each MSO right now is a vertical operator in a given state. And they're usually openly admitting to, my favorite one is Bo Wrigley, the CEO of Parallel. Yes, that's Wrigley, the Wrigley gum guy. Literally went in forums recently and said something to the effect of, we only like to participate in vertically integrated, limited license markets. 
Now, I'm not putting words in his mouth, but I am saying my opinion of that thought process is real simple. You only want to play in places where you can stack the deck in your favor. And if you actually look at their bottom lines, if you actually look at how much money they're making, they're not. They're not making any money. Most of them are not profitable. They're just staking this claim that they're going to be profitable. And now you see this whole merger and acquisition game. And what's the public relations move that you see coming out of that? They always say the same thing. We're just trying to get bought out by consumer packaged goods companies. We're trying to get the attention of Procter & Gamble. Coca-Cola is going to come in and give a shit about us. Name your, your whatever. Uh, consumer packaged goods, alcohol, tobacco company of choice. Yeah, but, one of the one of the big ones on that viral map everybody can see on Google when you look at who right, runs the world. Exactly. They all want to get bought out by those. But if I were them, right? If if I were those people at these big hundred bajillion dollar mega corporations that we all know are going to become by and large from Wally in 20 years anyway, so who really gives a shit? But if I were them, why would I buy a failing company that can only participate in the broken, sequestered cannabis legalization landscape now. What happens to, if tomorrow, should we wave a magic wand and legalization happens? Whether that's legalization like I'd like to see it or legalization as Chuck Schumer has proposed it or legalization somewhere in the middle, because let's call it like it is. There's lots of different definitions of legal. That could be everything from legal like a tomato to legal, I have to go to CVS and get it from my doctor. Like, But somewhere yeah. in there, regardless, we're going to have two major factors take an effect, right? So the one that plays in the MSO's favor is banking. But the thing with banking is they're not really needing it anymore. They're kind of grown out of it, and that's not their problem, and it's not their handcuff. So really, that's also available to the smaller to medium-sized businesses. When you can start getting small business loans, when you can start getting true capital raises, when we can start seeing yeah. Uh, legitimate crowdfunding or, or other weird things. And maybe we'll see it in something like a DAO or some blockchain technology that'll break off of that. But that's not really important. What's really important is, is that when federal legalization happens, we can now cross state lines. And who's set up yeah. better to do that? Well, it's the loose network of craft growers that all know each other and can just start mailing the shit back and forth. It's all of the groups of people who have participated in the black market that already have the entire supply chain figured out, who will now have the ability to go get a small business loan from the federal government and get their supply chain started. And let's be super fucking honest about it. It is a whole lot easier to build a new house or to build a new plane than it is to build, you know, rechange the direction of a, of a lumbering behemoth that these large cannabis operators are becoming. They're not exactly known nice. for being quick on their feet. They don't do much when they get caught in the scandals. You could literally take the name of any publicly traded cannabis company and type in the word lawsuit, scandal, lobbying, et cetera, negative, you know, adjective or whatever for what they are. And you could literally get lists and lists and lists of all of the terrible things they've done. Like at this point, you can start finding text message dumps, WikiLeaks style on FBI cases against C-suite members and their husbands. Hint, hint, if you listen to the list I said earlier and put together husband, there's only one female CEO. Think about it, people. Uh, yeah, so... If we just go with that, they're not prepared for federal legalization. So they're hoping they get bought out before that so that they can get absorbed into the big boys. And if you actually look at the yeah. publicly disclosed 
numbers that these CEOs are pulling in, these COOs, CFOs, CROs. Oh, God, I saw your post about this the other day. Right, yeah, exactly. So if you start looking at it, it, it screams listen one to this, people. thing. Listen to this. Pump and motherfucking dump. That's it. That's what it screams if you actually look at the details. Yet somehow these companies can turn over hundreds of millions of dollars in loss every year and still attract more money, still predate on the average retail consumer. So like somebody asked me the other day, they were like, well, would you hold any cannabis stocks? And I said, absolutely not. And they said, why? And I said, because none of them are going to be here in five years. What we're going to see is a resurgence of the craft market explode as a phoenix out of their ashes when these goobers can't trans transition into the next stage and it's going to blow people's minds because everybody's acting like i'm crazy like two three four years ago when i was saying this people thought i was chicken fucking little or like the alex jones of weed but slowly but surely if you look and you listen all the directors all the vice presidents all of my peers who i started in the industry with they know it's coming they're talking about it openly about at the water cooler. And if you really want to talk about it, they're sending us stories through the anonymous story submission on our Grass Attracts web, Snakes website. And some of this shit is so damning and so specific, we don't put it out because it would get these poor people fired who thought they were coming into a good industry. They thought they were going to get to support their passions. And most of them are just getting chewed up and eaten out by a bunch of egotistical people who think they're more important than they are and who think cannabis companies that they've created are their new cool edgy thing to impress their fucking yacht friends. And they basically use them as sludge funds for their personal bullshit. Do you have water, my friend? Here. I got sugar-free sugar-free Gatorade. Have a, and have, enjoy a, have a drink from my have a drink from our from our non-sponsors. Let's take a let's take a second because that was that was a lot. And in all honesty, for you guys watching, I hope you all are paying attention because there's a lot of good game in there. There's a lot of things that he identified that people are are doing that they shouldn't be. There's a lot of uh, these large businesses that are doing, uh, you know, they're, they're doing an in interesting style of business. They're investing a lot of money into this, into what they think the industry is going to be like. And there is a good portion of us that believe that what they're doing, you know, doesn't make a lot of sense, but they're dumping a lot of money into it. There's got to be some method to their madness, but I'm not, I'm not sure, but I know that I side with you and Kristen and a lot of the people that believe that as soon as legalization happens, the small business owner will be the quickest earner in this space. Your local drug dealer that is a cure company, that is a Lowell Farms, even though they're big funded from one of those MSOs, they're gonna they're gonna be able to kill it because they're in 500 legal stores now. But if they were only vertically integrated, if they only were in the market to the Wrigley point before, if they were only in those certain kind of markets, they're not able to flex to be flexible and go do other things. There are certain MSOs uh, or there are certain MSOs that own companies that those companies are positioned to do good things, but the MSO is not nearly as flexible. Yeah, none of right? them are telling a good brand and, story either, with the exception of maybe cookies. But even they're starting to, in my opinion, fall into the corporate trap. I mean, they hired the former Florida cannabis czar who kept edibles and flour illegal for years because he held vape stock or some ludicrous something like that. And I'm like, eh. I had hopes for you guys to be that first big national brand that really like kicked ass. And now you're just buying into the rest of the corporate world. It, it really, 
You know, we, we have no, and I, I want to believe that these companies, you know, I want to believe that they're all doing the right things. I want to believe in cookies. I want to believe that it's right, but I'm not, I'm not one of the, I've not yet made hundreds of millions of dollars myself. So I don't know what it's like to think and have bad thoughts at that level. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of big opportunities going on up there. And I'm sure the top, the thing at the top of a lot of those people's minds is not patience. And uh, I'm a patient, so all I can do is ask these companies and create content like this with people like you guys, uh, you know, like you and, you know, Greg and the other homies that we have to just continue advocating for the right stuff. You know, we've got to really continue to push for the right things. You guys have got to get out and vote for the things that we care about that affect our friends and families. Uh, if you can, you know, if, you, if you're in hemp, if you're in cannabis, if you're in CBD, if you've got a friend or family that's been sick and they've been on pills at some point in their life, this is something that could be significantly impactful to people in your life. We will, I'll have you back on a different episode. We'll talk through the psilocybin things. Maybe you can educate me about what's going on in that space a little bit. I'm not too caught up on that, but I am learning more daily with all the different studies that are coming out and things uh, of that nature. But um, my man, I really appreciate you being on the episode. Could you possibly, before we get out of here, let the people know uh, again, some information on the different podcasts and content that you're making and where they can find you at. Yeah. Uh, so I got my company, good ideas, goodideas.net, not.com. So G O O D H I G H D E A S.net. Uh, we do mostly media marketing, public relations, government relations, and some business development stuff. Uh, check it out. We're actually launching a new website soon. Um, for anything blockchain that related, look up multichain.venture. So M U L T I C H A I N.ventures. Um, so the cannabis detector is C-A-N-N-B-S detector. So literally cannabisdetector.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at my name <laughs> and that's about it. Uh, or Instagram is also just at my name and that's, that's me in a nutshell, man. Oh yeah, man. I really appreciate you being on today's episode. Thank you so much. Everybody watching, you guys, make sure you guys go follow, like, support, subscribe. We've got more interviews coming. This is the first episode of the North American Weed Tour podcast. We'll be coming at you guys live once, twice, sometimes three, four times a week over the next six months with a ton of interviews. People like Brett sharing their perspectives, their stories, giving us insider info. Brett, thank you again. Everybody, I'll see you guys in the next episode. I love you guys. Peace.